Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Just a reminder, if you want to come hang out with us at our conference this year in Grafton, Illinois, May 22nd through the 25th, tickets are still available. We would love to see you guys out there. And if you can't make it, you can grab a live stream pass for $99. The live stream experience this year is going to be, I guess you can say enhanced. We're really trying to make it something special and unique and possibly interactive. So uh, take advantage of that. And if you can't make it for the entire time, day passes will be available on April 1st. And we'd love to see you guys out there. We're really looking forward to it. Um, and if you're looking for a roommate, there are people on the Telegram chat who are looking for roommates right now. So the Telegram chat is available on the website, journeytotruthcon.com. And you might be able to find someone there to room with since the on-site lodging is sold out. Without wasting any more time, tonight we are joined once again by James Bartley. We had him on about a year ago, we talked about reptilians among us. We really got deep into that subject, and it was it was great. It was one of my favorite episodes. Uh, James, I, I don't know if you can call him an expert on reptilians, but it was it was definitely awesome. So we're going to get into some more of that today. Uh, welcome back to the show, James. Uh, thank you, Tyler and Aaron. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you back. So I've been checking out some of your interviews on your website, the Cosmic Switchboard. You're doing some incredible work. You get into some really deep stuff. Um, uh, I love it. I love the direction you're going with it. Uh, I mean, there's so much happening right now. There's no shortage of things to talk about. You just did an episode with Eve Lorgan where you guys talked about multidimensional portals and these black helicopters. And I'd like to kind of get into the black helicopter subject a little more before we jump into something else. And I was wondering if you could chime in on that and what you think these are, because obviously most of the time they're, I mean, some, they can be a military black helicopter, but sometimes they can mimic or mask themselves as a UFO or a UFO masked as a helicopter, I should say. Yes, that's a great question, uh, Tyler. Black helicopters and mysterious helicopters have been an integral part of the UFO lore since the beginning of, well, both the, the modern UFO age and the modern helicopter age. I've seen black helicopters up close, and I believe the ones that I saw were highly advanced. Uh, they're not on the order of battle of these uh, mainstream uh, Army helicopter or Air Force helicopter units. These are off-the-shelf black ops highly advanced uh, craft. And uh, on one occasion, it's a long story, but I wound up standing directly beneath one of these. And if I had a broom or a rake, I could have reached up and touched the underside of this thing. It was very narrow. It was at nighttime. And I did not feel any downdraft from the presumed uh, helo props, right? One would assume if you were standing beneath a helicopter, you could feel the, the air coming down from um, the turning of the blades, but that wasn't the case. I didn't hear any sound other than a slight whirring sound. And what was interesting was standing directly beneath it, I could only infer that there was the helicopter, the matter part of the helicopter directly above me because there were two faint points of light on either side of it. And so I just I discerned that, okay, that must be the body of the craft. And if anyone had stood next to a, a Cobra helicopter gunship, either if they spent time in the military or they went to an air show, they can see for themselves how narrow these Cobras are. Well, this craft, this presumed helicopter, 
seemed to be even narrower than that. And I stood directly beneath this thing, and then it moved off down the street, and I, I foolishly chased after it. And on another occasion, I'd gone to the the field of my fifth grade elementary school in San Jose, California. I was up visiting from San Diego. I'd come up to San Jose for the weekend, and I I just followed an intuitive um, uh, yearning, if you will. And I, I strolled down to this elementary school, hoping I could see something. It was nighttime. And I saw four or five large triangular craft. These were, I would consider to be man-made, uh, made by the deep black aerospace uh, corporations or elements thereof. There's this notion that if a craft is triangular of necessity, it must be man-made. That's a fallacy. Uh, the triangle shape, like the disc shape, is a universal arrow form. There are many civilizations besides our own that create triangular shaped craft. And I've seen man-made triangular shaped craft rather small in scale and larger. And these were larger, I would say uh, 90 feet from <clears throat> corner to corner. It had a, a red light beneath the center uh, of the craft on the underside. And on each corner, there were lights. Now, some of them did not have lighted corners. Some only had one or two lighted corners. It almost gave them, when the corner lights were not turned on, these would be white lights. When the corner lights were not turned on, it almost gave it a stealthy aspect because you wouldn't notice it. The only reason I noticed them was I heard this, this buzzing electrostatic sound, which caused me to look up. And, oh, there's one of those large triangular craft. Point of relevance is, as I'm standing in that field, I see one of these black helicopters buzzing around, right, beneath beneath these triangular craft. It was making a uh, it was making a buzzing sound. It was different, I would say, from the the helicopter I just described a moment ago. And what was interesting was, as this flew around this schoolyard, it occasionally emitted what I can only describe as a lighted rectangular window uh, trailing behind it. I don't know what that was. It was a doorway. It was some kind of energy field. I don't know. But all I know is as this thing is moving along, it somehow created this rectangular white, what seemed to be a doorway behind it, for lack of a better term. It was like a door laying, laying on its side, but it was illuminated and it was trailing this, this helicopter. And it wasn't an object. It wasn't being towed. It was just like a light that manifested momentarily, and then it turned itself off. And then uh, I decided when I saw the, the the helicopter, well, chances are they know I'm down there. Besides the crews on board those triangular craft, I decided to beat a hasty retreat, crossed this footbridge, went to a street, and started running back to my parents' house. And just to the left, I saw, very interesting, if anyone else has seen any of these things, I saw what I can only describe as a, as a large flame. Anyone takes a big lighter and then they, they light it, and you see what the flame looks like. Well, scale that up to about 15 feet, okay, high, and it was hovering just above the houses to my left. So there was all kinds of activity going on that night, but the subject is, is the Black Helos. Some of the Black Helos like I mentioned, are 
lack of a better term, terrestrial. And there have been mysterious helicopters, black helicopter sightings that are integral to the whole UFO lore. Um, many of us that have had ET UFO my lab experiences have seen helicopters, black helicopters. But there's also the mysterious uh, types of helicopters, which may not be terrestrial in origin. In fact, it's quite likely that some of these helicopters that have been observed, especially when they're doing unusual things, are actually alien craft, for lack of a better term, disguised as, as a helicopter. Right. And uh, Evie Lorgan uh, was discussing this on the podcast that she was on my show with. Uh, she talked about how her colleague had observed a, a portal open up in the sky and a helicopter come out of it. And that is, to me, is a classic example of how these crafts can morph themselves, assume a guise that if someone, a casual observer, happened to look up, they would just think helicopter. They wouldn't think uh, that it's anything other than a normal helicopter. Now, I've had Jeff Brady on the show recently. He's a great guest, and he's got his own podcast in other news radio. And he has photo documented and videotaped many UFOs, which assume the guises of mundane terrestrial objects, such as clusters of balloons, uh, other things, planes. Uh, a hidden aspect of the chemtrail phenomena is the fact that some of these planes that are emitting the plumes are not really planes. They've been seeing the shape shift in mid-flight. They've been seeing the shift into a, a disc or some other shape. So there's a lot more going on. And you go back to the Vietnam War. Along the DMZ, the 17th parallel, the demilitarized zone that separated North and South Vietnam, a lot of the military units, uh, the Marines and the Army, that were along the DMZ kept reporting these mysterious helicopters that didn't belong to the American military. It was presumed perhaps there were North Vietnamese, uh, NVA, or perhaps even Chinese, but these helicopters would just buzz around uh, for a long period of time. No one seemed to be able to shoot them down. No one seemed to know where they really came from. It was just a guess that, that they were North Vietnamese in origin. It's quite possible that those presumed helicopters were actually these craft in disguise mm -hmm. that I'm talking about. Because the North Vietnamese, as far as I know, and as far as people knew at the time, they didn't have fleets of helicopters like the Americans did. Uh, and also, when you look at the, the cattle mutilation syndrome, and this is going back decades now. One looks at the work of Linda Moulinhau and, and others, unusual animal deaths. And also uh, my colleague Nish, who I was recently on a podcast with her, she talked about a uh, strange die-off of elk uh, in, in her part of uh, the western uh, northwestern U.S. I want to get into that. Point, yeah. yeah, point being is that cattle mutilations, strange, unusual animal deaths, are sometimes accompanied by not only UFO sightings, but black helicopter sightings. They seem to be, if, at the very least, cognizant and aware of the uh, UFO alien interest activity directed towards the cattle. 
towards the cows. They seem to be in the in the local area prior to, during, and after some of these cattle mutilation events. Likewise, uh, as far as the abduction syndrome, alien abduction syndrome is concerned, where people are being abducted by aliens, once again, these black helicopters seem to be around. So to answer your question, there's a mix. There's definitely black ops helicopters. And I'm not just talking about the Night Stalkers that work with Delta Force and, and that. I'm talking about very, very deep black mil uh, military aerospace helicopter units. Some of these helicopters are quite advanced, like I just described uh, at the outset. And I do believe a significant percentage of these black hel helicopters related to this phenomena are really alien craft in, uh, in disguise, if you will. Right. So a few things, um, there's a few things I want to get into. Um, for one, the elk. Uh, so if you watched uh, David Politis Missing 411, the UFO connection, uh, there's they made the elk connection as well, uh, where a lot of these people were going missing, where there was high elk activity in the area. And then one guy who was even taken and brought back said that when he was on the craft, he was on the craft with some elk that they had taken as well. So they definitely have an interest. And by the way, I think that's a fantastic documentary. If you guys haven't seen it, have you seen that documentary? No, I have not, but but I will. Thank you. And I, I'm really grateful for David Politis to be doing this. It's it's uh, it's time has you know come for this kind of information. Uh, people like you and I, we've been talking about this kind of thing for a long time. The disappearances related to non-human life forms. But getting back to the elk, the reason it came up was in in Nisha's neck of the woods, and she's in the Pacific Northwest, there were, somehow they determined there were 24 elk involved, right? I don't know if they went around counting the legs and the heads and the body parts or what. And then they, they ascribed the demise of these 24 elk due to a train running over them, which is highly unlikely, okay? Now, we've been having all these train derailments and what have you in the recent past, but the notion that 24, again, they're really into numerology, 2 plus 4 equals 6, et cetera, et cetera. The notion that 24 elk would just be standing on a railroad track and just waiting to get run over, I find that highly unlikely. There were, according to Nish, UFO reports in the immediate area uh, before this die-off. And... The eyewitnesses described the aftermath of the uh, the animal deaths. They said it was utter carnage. Uh, all the blood and gore and dismemberment of all these elk uh, made some people physically sick that had seen it. So to me, it doesn't sound so much like they were run over by a train. It sounds to me like perhaps it was due to some alien UFO Interference. Uh, we we know that when UFOs like hover over or go near a, a, a cow pasture, for example, the cows tend to cluster up and congregate. Uh, I guess safety in numbers kind of thing. Right. My guess is something along those lines happened. They all the elk clustered amongst each other, and then the ETs or whoever zapped them and and created all this carnage for whatever reason. Uh, now. I hadn't heard what you described to me uh, a moment ago about how the uh, 
the eyewitness had been taken on board and they'd seen elk. I hadn't heard that story. I've heard stories of people being taken on board and seeing cattle, but it doesn't surprise me that they would go after elk. Elk are big, beautiful creatures. They've gone after dogs. They've gone after goats. They've gone after uh, cattle. So it wouldn't surprise me that they go after elk. But the point of relevance is a whole bunch of these elk, somehow they determined there were 24 of them were were just wiped out in, in a very brutal fashion, dismembered, mm-hmm. cut up. Right. So going back to the uh, overlay, like the holographic overlay, I guess you could say that would make a helicopter or a UFO appear as a helicopter. Uh, this is possibly the same type of technology that the reptilians would use to disguise themselves among us. And what's interesting right now is like the entire world illusion that we're living in right now is fading and and they're and they're not even hiding. Like you would think they would be trying to hide, but they're not. It's like they don't even care that we know their agenda, that we know that they're there. They know, you know, most of people, most people are just going to laugh it off like, oh, yeah, it's not, you know, not real, whatever. But I, I would assume and this is just speculation that it's a similar technology that the reptilians are using that the craft would use to mask themselves as something else. Well, there seems to be a relationship. Uh, the The reptilians in particular, well, some of the reptilian groups are quite technologically advanced. Now, there is some debate amongst researchers, alien abduction researchers, as to how the reptilians go about assuming a human guise. Uh, some people describe it to some kind of holographic device or projection. I'm of the camp that believes that they just have the means to alter not only their their visual image, but also literally change their their physical exterior. Because people have described um, women were having intercourse with an individual who began to shapeshift and, and the woman the woman could feel like the big bumps in the back of the individual, scaly skin, the whole bit. So to me, that's not a hologram. To me, that's something physical in our in our dimension. So at least some of these reptilians have the means to shift back and forth. And there are probably certain uh, means by which the reptilians use to maintain their human form and maybe as time goes goes on as the fundamental concepts are changing they're having more difficulty holding their human shape at least some of them right and i mean that would that would be a number a whole cocktail of things i'm sure that keep them keep that illusion going frequencies um blood uh you know drinking from even um I forgot what else I was going to say, but it's a number of things. I don't think it's any just, there's not, there's a number of components that make yes, I agree. to maintain the illusion. I have a question. I have a question really yeah, quick. Ahead, on the, so why, why do you think they would, they would disguise the craft as a helicopter or a plane rather than just cloaking outright, rather than just becoming invisible? Why do you think they would do that? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure as far as the motivations are concerned, because that's a very good point. Uh, with the advent of infrared uh, night vision equipment, people are seeing all kinds of craft at night fly around, which are not visible in the visible spectrum. So mm-hmm. it begs the question, then why do they have to go to this extent where they have to conceal something in in, in plain view, disguise its appearance? I don't know. To 
to pursue some kind of agenda. Uh, those of us that have had these experiences, over time, some of us were dogged by helicopters. I mean, I had people stay with me in San Diego, and they would remark to me just how often they would hear helicopters in our in our neighborhood flying around, sometimes hovering right over the roof. One time I was on the phone with Eve Lorgan the night before she was going to fly out of uh, an airport in Orange County to go to uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And then I was going to fly out of uh, Lindbergh Field in San Diego to go to the same conference, right? And as we're talking, both of us experienced helicopters right over our houses. So I'm on the phone. You can hear a helicopter right over. I can hear a helicopter right over my roof. Evie at her end has got a helicopter right over her roof. And we're talking about, you know, all the different things we're going to be discussing at the conference coming up that we're going to fly out towards. So either that was deep black military just mucking with us or it was something else. It was like ETs or something mucking with us. Point being is that I think that the helicopter has kind of attained this subconscious status uh, for those of us in this field even at a surface military level, you know, we think back to the Vietnam War, very much of a helicopter war. There's there's a militant aspect to helicopters. There's an intrusive aspect. There's this surveillance monitoring aspect. Uh, we, we we're familiar with police helicopters, what have you. So almost, you know, my intuitive feeling is they assume the guise of helicopters, A, because they're, they're very common mundane terrestrial craft. Secondly, there's kind of an, an ominous nature to them. Like they're, unless you're you're on like some kind of tourist uh, helicopter flying over Waikiki or something, right? You know, to people like us, it takes on helicopters take on an ominous connotation. It's it's like a psychological right. thing. Yes, psychological. Yeah. In short, I should have said that. <laughs> Long winded. Um, well, it's psychological warfare, essentially. Right. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? Um, uh, the next webinar we're getting ready to do for our Patreon is uh, Voice of God, Mind Control. And uh, one of the common themes with the Voice of God technology is the black helicopters. And then even in some of the little illustrations, it shows a helicopter parked outside someone's house using that technology. You know, it goes right through the walls of the house. And they aren't just putting a voice in people's heads. They can give them a false dream, a false ET experience, whatever the case may be. Absolutely. So they're um, they're using that manner too, and and this is they also hide under the guise of like a a communications van or something like that, which I believe I've actually been a victim of at one at uh, one point. Um, walking through a park, I'd noticed this van would like move every time I was going through around this trail. This van would be in the parking like a different parking lot. I saw four different parking lots while I was going around, and I happened to break out with this really bad rash. These hives. Um, that day while I was just in the middle of that walk and I didn't even put two and two together until months later, but I'm like, I wonder if they were for some reason targeting me. Um, but that's one way they do it. But I definitely know the black helicopters show up and it, you know, along with this voice are used along with the voice of God technology. And then, yeah, yes, absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that some of these helicopters are directly involved in uh, the targeted individual syndrome and the, the manipulation harassment abduction of of my labs and other project people absolutely and some of these are loaded down with like as you said high-tech gear uh, i i 
spoken to people and I've heard accounts of like sometimes these mysterious black suburbans or Crown Vicks would show up at a, at a UFO site, tinted windows, even in the middle of the night. But, you know, when the windows are rolled down, some people would look onto the dashboard and it's not a dashboard. It's like a control panel. Right. So and people have been taken abducted and pulled inside some of those vans you described and they, they described to me that the the interior of the vans would be just lined with, with you know high-tech equipment so i mean they come loaded for bear whether it's uh, an aerial craft like a helicopter or it's a van or or a crown vic right hey, i want to shift gears just a little bit i heard you i forget what interview i was listening to of yours you guys were talking about universities and college professors being used in tangent with um, the agencies, FBI, CIA, to recruit students. And I, I just, I, it's fascinating to me. You know, I think there's a reptilian consciousness working through some of these professors, and I would just like to get your yeah. thoughts on that. Oh, yeah. Yes, it, it's a well-established uh, means of recruitment. You go back to World War II, uh, British intelligence and, and American intelligence, they routinely uh, hired professors in the various um, fields of study. And the, these professors worked in the intelligence field, whether it was for uh, code breaking or whether it was for running double agents, whatever the case may be. And then they would tap, i.e. recruit people from within the, the universities. The British tended to look for people of a certain breeding, the whole bloodline aristocracy thing. So they, they would look for you know, likely recruits from certain families, certain bloodlines, uh, certain wealth backgrounds, if you will. <clears throat> and then they would ask them, depending on their aptitude and their proficiency, the things they were good at. And then they would put them in the intelligence community. Uh, to fight against the Germans, Italians, or whoever. And after World War II, that process continued. It never stopped. Uh, so these universities, especially the Poison Ivy League ones in America, but also Stanford and, and other ones, oh, UCLA and uh, the, the UC uh, system in particular, were, were recruiting grounds for people. Uh, because these universities, many of them were funded with defense contracts. Uh, a lot of them were involved in behavioral studies research. Uh, think of Dr. Lowe's jo Jolin West in UC UCLA, right? And he was intimately involved with mind controlling Patty Hearst, all these different people. Jolin West kept showing up as, as like a court appointed. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm just laughing because it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh, court-appointed expert witness, you know, to, to study the psychology of these mind-controlled people, many of whom he himself mind-controlled. So this nexus between the universities, the talent spotters amongst the uh, professors and the uh, college staff looking for likely recruits and what they've done over time. If you remember that guy who allegedly shot up the Virginia Tech University, uh, Chu, I think he was a South Korean national originally, that was a classic example of, of a guy whose family was by South Korean standards well off, had connections with South Korean intelligence. They were brought to America 
and Chu eventually enrolled in that school. He was probably plugged into some kind of mind control project. And then either he was the real shooter or one of the shooters or the patsy for wiping out allegedly all these students in Virginia Tech, right? And then, of course, they find all these uh, videos and all these manifestos the guy has apparently written, right? But point being is that that's a classic example of a guy who came from a foreign family, a South Korean. It was tapped, identified by intelligence even before they left Korea, brought over to the U.S., and the guy was plugged into this this mind control program. So uh, they cast a wide net, the, these these universities and these talent uh, spotters. And now, if you look at the communist model of how they do it, and the cost communist Luciferian model, you look at the Cambridge spies, for example, classic example, where the 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 four predecessors of the KGB and then the GRU also, the Soviet military intelligence, they knew that these sons of these established arist aristocratic families going to be tapped and within the way their system works are eventually going to get into the good colleges, the good preparatory schools first, the good colleges, and then they wind up in the foreign office, they wind up in MI6, et cetera, et cetera. So hey, what the Soviets said was, you know, why don't we recruit them while they're still in college? So when they get out of college, they work for us, right? Right. I definitely know like the whole infrastructure is set up and to steer people into these programs and the, the recruitment, uh, the whole recruitment process. But the whole point being is that the reptilian consciousness is working through these people. These entities are working through them. And then that's the real issue we have here, even among people within like the quote, quote uh, truth or community and influencers. I think they're being affected by the same type of thing nowadays. Well, yes, the what they used to refer to as the spirit of accusation, right? These people that were under some kind of demonic uh, malign influence and they're, they're accusing everybody of everything, you know, wanting to put these big red scarlet letters on people and then you know, hang them out to dry, right? Well, we see that all the time in our field. Uh, these accusations of this person or that person's controlled opposition, it wouldn't surprise me if the term controlled opposition just like the term conspiracy theory was created by someone within the intelligence community, because it's it's such a like far-reaching slur. It, it could apply to anyone or anything. So if someone disagrees with you or doesn't necessarily believe what you believe, oh, they're controlled opposition. Or if someone becomes successful, or they have a large following, or they they sell like uh, nutrient supplements on their website. Oh, they're in it for the money, controlled opposition, right? So we get a lot of that. And what it does is it, it plays on whatever unresolved traumatic issues that they've got, whatever kind of malign entity, quite frankly, influence is working through them. This whole controlled opposition thing takes on a life of its own. I could play the same game. Oh, you don't know that reptilians control planet Earth? You're controlled opposition. I could play the same exact game. But right. that, that would be silly on my part, right? Because only so many people at this point are, are aware of th that level of deception and control. So what we're seeing once again, and, and we see this play out in many different ways. Uh, they always strive to achieve an emotional reaction within people. Uh, let me give you an example. There's a difference between 
let's say a virus or a pathogen or something, okay, in our in our hypothetical example, let's say that it has never been isolated from uh, a living patient, a living person supposedly afflicted with whatever the pathogen is. Okay, that's point one. Point two is let's say that there's uh, evidence, like Dr. David Martin has has proven to my satisfaction that you know patents had been you know taken out uh, for the alleged cure for these path- pathogens, right? And uh, let's say that he's satisfied, along with others, that this pathogen that we're all supposed to be scared of is nothing more than a c- computer generated gene sequence, okay? That is not the same as saying that pathogens don't exist, okay? Those are two different things at work, but people conflate them to the point now where if someone says, oh, you know, I've got this bug XYZ, oh, well, you don't really have a bug. You're, You're promoting these falsehoods. These bugs don't exist. These bugs are just a computer generated gene sequence, right? Right. So, so what they do is they can't see the forest for the trees. These pathogens do exist. People really do get sick from being around sick people, asymptomatic people. Something is really going around. But the divisions and artificial uh, fractures have been set up to the point where even if, like a truther says, well, you know, I, I went traveling the other day and, you know, I, I flew on a plane and I came back and I'm really sick. There's these people that are saying, oh, no, you're not really sick. There's nothing really going around, right? Which is nonsense. There's things that are going around all over the place. Pathogens do exist. But see, what they do, they, they can't separate what the research of what some people have done with what's actually going around in the real world, you see? So, I, I mean, that's probably as clear as mud, that example that I gave you. But that's just an example in the recent past of how these fault lines, these artificial fault lines have been created. And we see this with the flat earth. We see this with nuclear weapons don't exist. Nuclear weapons are a hoax. I think what's happened, um, uh, fellas, is that so many of these people in the so-called truth community, I'm not talking about the ones that are outright deceivers, outright deception artists. I'm talking about ones that just, they don't have an intuitive background anymore they don't have the ability to suss out bogus from real information they have to keep searching and listening to countless podcasts and watching countless interviews to try to make their minds up about something they've lost the ability or they never had the ability to intuitively suss out whether something is bogus or not And, and that's the problem so when people say that this is a hoax and that is a buzzword and a trigger word if there ever was one this is a hoax this is a psyop that's controlled opposition for people that have already at a very deep level been personally hurt either by those that they trusted and loved or and or hurt by the institutions that have been created that ostensibly are here for our benefit or to help us. When people have been hurt and backstabbed to that extent, when they hear terms like hoax, psyop, distraction, uh, I mean, there was a guy on, I didn't even watch the video, but the thumbnail said, uh, oh, the January 6th videos are, are are just a nothing burger, right? It's not a nothing burger to the political prisoners who are being kept and tortured every day since January 6th. It's not a right. nothing burger that the videos exist of the sh- 
Q shaman guy being escorted to the Capitol building. Okay, that's not a psyop. That's and then what they did also, you know, like for example, when when the whole Pizzagate thing erupted, oh, Pizzagate is a distraction. How is it a distraction? Hillary oh, yeah. Clinton is direct. Hillary Clinton is directly involved. How is that a distraction? Exposing right? truth so, is never a distraction. It's exposing. It, 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 that's what's going on. I don't even know if I answered your question. Right? <laughs> it doesn't, it but, doesn't matter. I love it. I love it. Keep going. Yeah, but but the point being <laughs> is that, and now what we've seen, and I'm glad actually we went in this direction, uh, is you and I and, and Aaron know that aliens are real, UFOs are real. You did the the UFOs for dummies thing, which was great. I'm I'm really glad you guys did that. Thank you. What they've done now because. You see, it's ironic, but a lot of these people that are chanting bleeding in cheap fashion, blue beam, blue beam, this is all just a distraction, you know, this is a fake alien invasion. What's happened is, and it's ironic, okay? See, they, the ones who bleed blue beam all the time and don't believe in aliens, they mm-hmm. get this. They trusted the science. Hmm? All those years that their science professors in high school and in college and the TV people were telling them that aliens don't exist, distance between star systems are too vast, impossible to get here, a total misapplication and misunderstanding of OCAM's razor. OCAM's razor actually goes the other direction. If all these craft and beings are being reported by countless people down through the ages, the simplest explanation is these beings from other worlds figure out a way to get here, okay? Right. They, they've gotten here. They've established bases. They, they've been here all along. That's Ocam's razor in a nutshell. But the, but the, their argument is based on the religion of scientism. Well, science, essentially, they're saying science tells us they can't get here, you know, because the technology doesn't exist. Well, it doesn't exist here that we're aware of, but it does exist here in the mm-hmm. deep black aerospace corporations and the deep black military. Exactly. Point being is that they followed the science. Not only that, but they allowed themselves to be unwitting dupes because with denial comes ridicule. That was a two and also outright harassment, assassination, depending on you know the case. But denial and debunking from paid academics, again, that concept of academics, professors, scientists who were, mm-hmm. who were actively debunking UFOs for so long on the one hand, but also the ridicule factor. Yeah, when someone sticks their head up above, we've seen this play out in very different, a number of different fields, whether it's, you know, um, health medicine or whatever the case may be, or 9-11, there's always going to be these these people pop up, say that's a crazy conspiracy theory from a crazy conspiracy theorist. Well, that's been going on for decades with UFO witnesses and ET witnesses, the ridicule factor. So these blue beamers, as I call them, not only did they follow the science and had to follow following the science work the last few years, not only did they follow the science and say, with, with a complete a priori misunderstanding of the whole UFO alien syndrome, and believe, look at face value what the academics said, but they went along with the ridicule factor. So they became unwitting assets to this wicked, evil, depopulating control system, essentially a non-human control system. That's the irony at work here. So all these truthers out there screaming, blue beam, this is a distraction. They followed the science. They'll never admit it, but they followed the bogus science. And also you look at the the people who 
or, or don't consider themselves truthers wouldn't be considered truthers by us. They were just your average everyday skeptic. Uh, they're in a quandary now because they believe the official stories of 9-11, of JFK, of the last few years. Right. And then something that they've been told to not believe, and not only not believe, but to ridicule anyone who does believe in, i.e. aliens and UFOs, now they're being told, oh, it's a it's, it's an existential it's threat. These balloons, uh, you know, yeah. I'm reminded of Steve Martin in the jerk movie, the cans, the cans, you know, the balloons, the balloons. Yeah. So, so we have that going on. Is it a distraction? Yes, it's a distraction. Okay. But there's a whole backstory, which I'm glad you guys are bringing out. Uh, like there's a book that's just come out called Non-Human by Gary Asseltine. I've had him on my show. Uh, it'll be coming out pretty soon, but he's, has written up till this point a definitive book about Rendlesham Forest, RAF Bentwaters, Woodbridge. And that was the case when there was actually a landed UFO craft. Aliens got out of it. Military people were there. It was filmed with the state-of-the-art movie cameras at the time. This is December 1980. Bulky kind of camera uh, gear, to be sure, compared to what we have now. But it was filmed. And documented the whole thing there were dozens and dozens of witnesses finally that's starting to come out but they want to keep the attention riveted on so-called tic tacs on balloons you see right. what i mean so, so the real nitty-gritty the real cases that you can really sink your teeth into that lets us know that there is a non-human force here influencing malignly indeed the human race that gets left by the wayside. Instead, we have blue beam, we have balloons, we have jet yeah. shooting down balloons. I mean, it's reached the, the point right. of absurdity, really. So a few it things. Has. It has. Uh, so it is a distraction on one on one level because we had all the train derailments and environmental health crisis happening, and all the news will report on is these craft in the sky that were being shot down and then feeding us that narrative. So in that regard, yeah, but I do understand and agree with where you're coming from. Also the Rendlesham forest incident. I know uh, Carrie Cassidy talked about, she had interviewed some of those whistleblowers um, or witnesses, I should say, not whistleblowers. And she's noticing a phenomenon. Now some of the witnesses are suddenly changing their story or not wanting to comment on it anymore. And it's really interesting to her, either they're being, threatened or is there something is going on why are mind controlled why are these people suddenly changing their story um it's just another interesting it is and there are some people who they they never change your tune larry warren and uh and now retired uh staff sergeant adrian bestenza bestenza essentially confirmed larry warren's story without saying so he confirmed in so many ways that and this was in an interview, a, a three-way phone conversation between Linda Mullenhall, Larry Warren, and Adrian Bestinza, where Bestinza basically agreed that he had seen the same thing Larry had seen without saying what he'd seen, if that makes sense, right? Yeah, I saw the same thing. And basically, uh, Adrian Bestinza said that Larry was several feet in front of him, closer to the craft, closer to the beams. And so when Adrian Bestinza says, I saw the same thing Larry did, right, well, he's basically confirming that Right. What Larry saw was aliens and he saw the same thing. And another thing also, as far as all the Tic Tac videos and all the pilot reports, if you remember the National uh, Press Club 
conference in Washington, D.C. I think Stephen Greer put it together. 2001, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Alone, as far as I know, alone amongst all the other witnesses, there was supposed to be another witness there, a good friend of mine. I know him for many years. I know his story inside out. Guy Kirkwood. In 1954, he was part of a a four-plane detachment, specially trained to fly back and forth between, I think it was Salt Lake City Airport and, correct me, and I may be wrong about this, but Lowry Air Force Base in in Colorado, but I could be wrong about the latter. Anyway, they were tasked with flying back and forth, hoping to get an intercept of UFOs and and get the intercept on gun camera footage, right? Which they did on, on a few occasions. Well, he was slated, he was asked by Stephen Greer to show up at the uh, at the conference in Washington, D.C. The day before he was going to fly out, he gets a mysterious phone call and he's told, if you show up to that conference in D.C., we're going to burn your house down. Okay, He lived in East County, San Diego, in El Cajon. At the time, I lived in Claremont, uh, you know, another suburb in San Diego. So the point of relevance and the significance of that is he would have been telling the audience and the reporters, however few showed up at the time, that back in 1954, they already had gun camera footage a specially trained mission to photo intercept, uh, to intercept and photo document the intercept of UFOs. They were tra- it was a specific tasking that this unit was trained to do. Okay, so that preceded by seventy years thereabouts. Yeah. All this infrared footage, all this videotape from the uh, the Navy pilots, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah. Right. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but it doesn't. Now, when I think about it, it makes sense that he would get the threats compared to everyone else because they didn't want this notion getting out. Of course, uh, military pilots would be the first in the disclosure uh, process to be the ones, the the point people, if you will, for because getting disclosure out. They're but credible. they didn't want that disclosure to come from a pilot back in 1954. Okay, right. so too many, uh, people, too many keep... people would too many people would believe it because it's coming from a military military pilots and military sources. And we're programmed, exactly, uh, and, and we're it, programmed to think that these military pilots are the most credible, or any exactly. a pilot a pilot in general, um, so that you have credibility there. Um, yeah, it would have destroyed their agendas of what, you know, they didn't want anyone taking any of this seriously or thinking it's real at that point. Right. So. Well, also, by keeping it at the Tic Tac level, and mm-hmm. even that Tic Tac video, it's t- completely taken out of context. Because in the old days, we used to call them cigar-shaped craft, barrel-shaped, cylindrical shape. Now, because I guess the breath mint is common these days, it's a Tic Tac, right? Right. But... At the outset of that video, which they don't talk about, is, is these so-called Tic Tacs were hovering just above the wave tops, and beneath, just beneath the waves, was what seemed to be a large submerged craft. Okay, so what we used to call in the old days a mother craft. It was very common in the old days, forties, fifties, and sixties, to see a number of disc-shaped craft come in and out of these cigar-shaped craft. Okay, so. What we have here at the outset of that video, which they never talk about, is there is a submerged, seemingly large cylindrical type object. And just above it were these Tic Tacs. So 
they, they don't talk about that aspect of it, right? And what I've heard people say is, oh, these are drones. That That's just the most ridiculous thing. They're going to spend all this time and effort to give these fantastic capabilities to drones where the radar operator said they would disappear at one place and then wind up 20 miles away instantaneously. You're going to put that kind of technology into a drone, right? Right. It's, in- it's, it's On the face of it, it's absurd, right? You just reminded me of something I wanted to mention earlier. You brought up Blue Beam which I do think the blue beam holographic technology does exist. Oh yeah, absolutely. It does. You know, um, the way you were talking before you were acting like, you know, it was insane that that's the case, but I do think it's possible that some of the craft that they want us to see could be their blue beam or holographic technology, just so they can give us that narrative. You know, um, it's something that we have to at least consider. And I, I agree with you. I agree. It's not all one thing. Right. Um, you know, my point, just to interject, and I, I would like to hear your thoughts to continue, but it's like we live in a reptilian sphere of influence. So for people to say that it's all aliens are all fake, that's like putting the cart before the horse, because right. these reptilians and other beings have cr- controlled this planet for so long. Right. right. So so anyway, please continue. No, no so you're right. Yeah. This, I see where your argument is that the people who are saying it's blue beam are trying to also say that aliens don't exist. Right. Uh, but something you brought up in one of your previous interviews was the muting of consciousness. And I'd like you to go into that a little further uh, and explain to our audience what you mean by that when you say they're trying to mute our consciousness. Well, in the old days, a well-rounded, holistic-type person, and in the old days, science and mysticism were two sides of the same coin cut from the same cloth. There was an understanding, and also back then, a lot of people understood the nature of um, ether physics. This is before Einstein, before general relativity, before special relativity. This notion, they keep trying to come up with names of it, right? Uh, You know, the the toe, the theory of everything. Uh, But generally, people back in the day, and you didn't have to be a shaman or a medicine person, a medicine man, medicine woman to know this, right? That everything was connected, that we are a microcosm of, of a larger macrocosmic multiverse, essentially, right? All that stuff was taken for granted. Now, what's happened is we've gone from that understanding, that sensibility to uh you know, pushing Gardasil vaccines on young boys, even though young boys don't have cervixes, right? Uh, so the people pushing that, it's like they flunked basic anatomy. But because of the muting of consciousness, the shame-based trauma background so many of us have, where we can't find the voice to speak up and say, uh, that's nonsense, boys don't have cervixes, okay? This follow the leader shame-based, people-pleasing mentality. And you look at, we talked again earlier, we talked about the malign influence of the schools and the universities, what have you. Mm-hmm. If you look what they've done, just fragmenting the consciousness, fragmenting the logical thinking part of the brain and replacing it with this all this emotionalism. If you look at like a common core math problem, right? Like two plus two equals four. But then what they do is they have all these commas, all these parentheses, and they, they overcomplicate things. That's an example of, of fragmenting and muting consciousness. And if you look at how 
the, the media is presented and how entertainment is presented. Everything is in these sound bites. Nothing is uh, presented in, in full form. Where in the old days, and I, I'm old enough where you know I, I did research pre-internet. I mean, and I still do. You have to get back, get your nose into the books, get back into the archival research to form a background understanding of all this. But if the very nature of the school system has been subverted into not only indoctrination, but also to engender this highly emotional reaction out of out of the students who will eventually, if they survive this whole process, become adults. And everything has an emotional component. So thinking, logical reasoning, common sense is left by the wayside. Instead, it's replaced by an emotional reaction. Now, this is the end result of this process of, of, of muting consciousness. Whereas before, like ancient man or ancient woman would look around and they would just recognize by sight all the different star constellations. They didn't need a compass or a map to get around. They can go under the high seas, you know, in a, in a little boat and still get around, right? Nowadays, GPS, um, phone navigation systems, uh, people are so reliant on the system that they they will have a difficult time functioning when we have this expected breakdown of society. And we've been seeing this with the train derailments, the destruction of the food distribution centers, uh, the threat of nuclear war, et cetera, et cetera. And mm -hmm. boy, howdy, if certain critical financial institutions go down that are responsible for maintaining the EBT card system, electronic benefit transfer, food stamp cards, if those institutions go down, you're going to see mass rioting on the streets and then forget about any kind of reason or common sense or you know higher logic. Then it's just going to be mass chaos, and, and that's what they want. You know you're in a Luciferian, satanically controlled world when confusion, rage, and uh, unrequited rage in particular is the norm. It is what passes for for research, what passes for news reporting. If you notice, the news reporting is all very Saul Alinsky. I just directed at certain people, certain institutions, certain ways of, of thinking, traditional ways of thinking, marriage, love, family, all that stuff is considered like ex extremist thought nowadays, right? Yeah. So that's what I mean by muting of consciousness, where we have been detached generally mm -hmm. from that intuitive divine source connection where you can look at something and just intuitively know that it's not right, that there's something wrong with it, mm -hmm. right? Instead, what they've done is, and this goes back to the supplanting of symbol language, which speaks to us at a soul level, with alphabet language, because alphabet language is inherently a left-brained uh, construct. And if you are making the language and you create a whole bunch of taboos and a whole bunch of dogmas and you create indoctrination systems, religions, whatever the case may be. Think about the early ancient astronomer priest, priesthoods, right? And you think of the Latin mass where you would have these, these Celtic people sitting there and the mass would be in Latin. It's like, what the hell is this guy even saying? Uh, th that's, that's an extreme example of what I'm talking about. 
So the intuitive symbol language which speaks to us at a soul level has been replaced by an alphabet language, which is inherently left brain construct, but rather than give us real information, they give us dogmas, taboos, all this other stuff. And so if you look at people today, there are people I know that are, that are so commie infested, and these are young people that, just like that Soviet defector said decades ago, that um, Yuri Bezimov, I can't even remember his last name, but he said something to the effect that once demoralization occurs, it doesn't matter how much proof photographic evidence, documentation you provide, it, it will not matter anymore. And I, I would go further and say that it, no matter what proof you provide, it will engender an emotional reaction out of these people. And that's the whole idea. Right. Uh, just one quick example in the time I got left. Hillary Clinton said, you can probably still see the video on YouTube, we, the U.S. government, get our marching orders from the Council on Foreign Relations. Now, what does that mean? Right. What right. do you mean the U.S. government gets us marching orders from the Council on Foreign Relations? And then when you try to explain that to somebody who's been thus demoralized, it's going to engender a negative reaction because they lack the, the intellectual capacity. And Barbie Bartholick, my mentor, went further. She said most people by that stage, she told me this 20, 30 years ago, she said most people today simply don't have the neural capacity or the neural network to understand any of this, this being this whole manipulation. And another quote, Alan Greenspan said on TV, he said, we're not, the Federal Reserve is not part of the U.S. government. We don't, we don't get instructions from the U.S. government. What does that mean? If you try to explain that to somebody who's been excreted from this indoctrination system, all you're going to get is a negative emotional reaction mm -hmm. because they literally don't have the, the, the neural pathway set up to understand any of this, right? Well, so you try to take the time and say, explain that it's a private corporation that controls the, you know, the financial system of an entire world. That just conflicts so much with our programming. Again, you get an emotional reaction. That's what I mean by the muting of consciousness. And so w when they mute consciousness on the one hand, and then they keep us in this lower bandwidth of fear, of, of trepidation, and also you know vulgarity, perversity, all this other stuff, that that is ripe for exploitation. So I, I don't know if I answered your question, but Are you when, when, <laughs> yeah. when you know when one talks about muting of consciousness, that's what I think of. And and the one last point about that is, and you know, God bless them. I mean, I, I I'm a humanitarian. I you know I, I believe in divinity, and I, and I have hope for everyone. But when you know when you get around normal people, quote unquote, that don't know what what we know, and I don't say this in in an elitist sense. But they just, and I'm not one that dwells on negativity or fear or anything like that. I, I just like to be aware of what's going on, like like a, like a real intel analyst. And then when I get around these people that are completely oblivious to this, any of this, you know, my heart goes out to them. I'm not, I feel sorry for them that they've been, their consciousness has been muted to such an extent, they're not even aware of the nature of the multiple threat environment they're in. Right. A, a newborn fawn knows that it's in a dangerous environment. A newborn uh, chicken can tell by, by by the shadow reflected off uh, well, the shadow blocking the sun if, if a hawk is flying overhead, right? And it has an instinctive recoil, it has an instinctive fear. Humans, by and large, have been detached from that internal guidance uh, radar system. Right. And, and that's one of the biggest problems. So what's going to happen is going forward, 
we're going to be hit with more and more disasters, more and more catastrophes, et cetera, et cetera. And these people will literally be like, uh, you know, deer in the headlights, and, and they're they're going to be the ones that demand all this austerity, all all these strictures in order to save the planet, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have. Yeah. You know, they're also um, attacking our attention span. They want everybody, yeah. um, they don't want us to be able to sustain a thought long enough to even question these things. Um, and th- that's why you have these 10 to 15 to one minute long videos past a minute. People are like, okay, next, you know, TikTok, Instagram, and all, all of the social media platforms are adopting them now. Uh, so that's another aspect of it. It's instant gratification. It's, it's the dopamine hit. Right, right. right. But there is an element to this that I would like to end on is that there is a large number of people waking up and seeing and doing something about this. And I'd like to just uh, in wrapping this up, kind of focus on that, like what people can do and the positive movement that is simultaneously taking place. Well, the direction that I'm coming from is the, the fact that a planet Earth is under a malign alien influence. We are in a reptilian sphere of influence. And it's playing itself out, manifesting in so many ways, the perversities and abominations that are being presented as the norm. And if you disagree with that norm, then you're an extremist, right? So people should take note of that and say, okay, where does this come from? What's the origin of all this? And take a note from what the ancients and the mystics from time immemorial have told us, that there are these non-human beings uh, that are pulling the strings and manipulating humanity for their ends. If one looks at it from that standpoint, then everything starts to make sense. Like what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, that's an attack on the entire biosphere, on the entire ecosystem. Everything down to the microbial level is being negatively impacted by that. So, you know, to suggest that it's just power mad bankers that are behind this that's that, that's clouding the issue they're, they're overcomplicating things again ocam's razor comes into play because clearly the force that's behind such such things as fukushima the the gulf platform horizon disaster uh east palestine ohio they want to destroy life as we know it so when we can unite as people as humans and say okay now we understand we're up against this non-human force. They've been telling us this all along in their movies and Netflix and everything else. Then we can put aside our petty differences, right? And then we can say, okay, now we can start goal setting. Now we can start uh, implementing the changes that we need to see in order to throw off this cosmic bachelor, throw off this yoke of of non-human control. I do believe that a certain segment of humanity will survive all of this. I'm, I'm absolutely certain of that. I'd like to see more people survive, and the more the merrier. But if people keep fighting amongst themselves and seeing others, uh, the authority figures, define others as their mortal enemies, be it Putin or Trump or anyone else, then they're going to uh, miss the boat uh, because – this is non-human in origin. If we band together and realize that we humans are up against a hostile alien force, we can overcome this. Look, there's nowhere else I'd rather be, Aaron and Tyler. This is where it's all going down. Hmm. Uh, if someone said to me, okay, you know, at the outset of all this, Bartley, you have a choice. You could 
you can sit this one out, opt out in some higher dimensional plane and, and not have to worry about this or get into the fight. This is where I, where else am I going to be? Right. Right. This is, this is where it's all going down. Right. So, you know, yeah. that's, that's the attitude that I, I'd like to get across to others, but Hey, thank you to you guys for doing the work you're doing. And also as far as uh, one quick point before I got to go, you talked about the voice to skull, the helicopters involved in, in, in the mind control. I've got a, I, I just interviewed a fantastic guest that was uh, introduced to me by um, Jeff Brady, the aforementioned Jeff Brady, David Case. Uh, he had invented a computer because he was an electronic genius, basically. He invented a computer that worked on photonic light principles. He took it to the patent office. Within days, he started getting blasted by tinnitus in the ears and this loud screeching in his head. Anyway, long story short, he created a sound frequency which negates that. And I've he's been on Jeff Brady's show in the recent past in other news radio. You, you can find the uh, interview, and yes. he's going to be coming out on my show pretty soon. So that's a guy that I think would be great on your show because uh, it's just one of those sleeping tigers that were woken up. It's like, you know, they thought they could just remotely electronically harass him like anyone else. No, he turned around. He he created a device that's helping countless other targeted individuals overcome this. So the tide has turned, fellas. We're we're making significant strides. Yeah, I definitely want to watch that interview, and I'd love to know as much about that device as possible uh, because I can add it to the webinar. Um, it would be a great way to end uh, the webinar to talk about you know a solution. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was great. Um, Aaron, did you want to add anything before we wrap this up? No, just thank you so much. Um, yeah, just you're the wealth of information, and you're doing amazing work, so keep it up. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Tyler. Right. Thank you so much. Uh, guys, go check out James's. Well, actually, I'll let you tell people how to find you. But Cosmic Switchboard is your website, right? Yeah, the Cosmic Switchboard.com. You can find me on Twitter under Cosmic Switch 29. And you can find me on Facebook, uh, James Bartley 148. So I guess there's 147 James Bartleys before me. So James Bartley 148 on Facebook. All right, perfect. And we'll put your information in the description below. Uh, guys, come hang out with us in Grafton in May. If you can make it, we'd love to see you there. Tickets are still available at journeytotruthcon.com. Thank you so much, James, for joining us. Until next time, have a great evening. Good night. Thank you. There was a CIA director named William Colby, who in the 1980s said, we'll know our disinformation campaigns are successful when everything the American people believe is fake. When we realize how powerful we are when we set our intentions and we realize that we aren't just this, we are just these multi-dimensional light beings and time is an illusion and you know it's everything's a perception then you can go forward and backwards and, and embody it and just pop out and go and do this work. We can do amazing things when we set the right intentions to do it. And I said, this is this is us on this plane. You know, like, this, that's what this is. We're going to the moon. And he said, this thing is a lot older than you think it is. And we've been going to the moon a long time. But I wrote on it. I knew that we went to the moon. And so I always knew there was a base on the moon from a young age. And our DNA is a complex recording system of the history of the entire universe the history you know of, of everything that not just this timeline that we know but multiple timelines of reality 
there are a total of nine different categories of planets on in the universe. Uh, we people on Earth, we are living on a category one planet, like elementary school students. And the Theobans, they are living on a category nine planet, like uh, college professors. So they have been really guiding us throughout history. Teokum let us know that this facility under the Sandia Mountain is considered an information station for interstellar travelers coming to the planet. They tell us that their facility was retrofitted into the ancient tunnel system that already existed. And as far as the bending the space-time continuum, I've had something like that happen. And what seemed like about a five-minute encounter has been four and a half hours of missing time. And I was completely conscious. And when you're dealing with a type three, type four, type five civilizations that can work with the different coexisting timelines, all bets are off, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time we have Bigfoot activity out there, we're having ETs and orbs and stuff like that. We have a lot of the stuff documented. As a matter of fact, um, I'm a member of three different teams and I work with people from all over the country out in the field. And um, we actually have documented a portal, something that we consider to be a portal um, opening. And we sent two of our team members inside of it. And really? It disappeared and then came back out. I would suggest that we take it one step further and say humanity has never known who we are. We've always been in the thought control matrix. And one step further, perhaps we could say that we're in a conscious, consciously controlled state of hypnosis. In other words, are the thought control matrix creators constantly bombarding us with frequencies that keep us from being telepathic, that keep us from remembering who we are? The thought control matrix was set up and we have never known our potential, our power, our yeah. beauty, our, our, our incredible connection. It makes no sense at all. There is no reason for it other than the programming that we've received for generations because it's all about order. It's all about listen to, listen to your elders, listen to the teachers, listen to the adults, listen, listen, listen. And what that does is it, it, it dims the light of the child and it makes them feel like they don't have a voice. And why that's designed that way by the dark side and that's in the system is so that they grow up and they just listen to and they do what they're told and they're good little boys and good little girls and they lose their sense of self. They lose their north, their true north. Yeah. So many adults are walking around in, the, in this world. They don't know who they are. So the planet itself is now beginning to split. It's beginning to divide again into a higher vibrational earth and a lower vibrational earth and the race of man is dividing with it. And we're becoming less and less aware of one another. And over time, what will happen, and I don't know how long this will be, one world will have all higher vibrational beings on it, and the other one will all be third dimensional beings, and we will not perceive each other anymore.